we're in a series called What's New? And what we're talking about is in our relationship with God, it's just like any other relationship. So uh, you might go to somebody and, um, you know, you say, uh, what's new? And you, that's kind of how you start, start off. And so if you were to ask me what's new, I would, I would talk about a stage of life that Lisa and I have entered into, uh, em- the emptiness stage. And I'd tell you that it's fantastic, uh, and and uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love my kids, and I'm I'm they're all doing well out of the house, and so uh, so it's really good when they come back. But uh, but that's just that's what's new, and so for you it might be a new relationship, it might be a new job, a new season of life, or whatever. And so what we really wanted to talk about in this series was what's new with your relationship with God. And so uh, um, we'll, we do these exercises each week during this uh, season. You'll see uh, the What's New Challenge. And by the way, um, that third one where it says you, you should tell somebody one of your snuggles, that was supposed to be struggles, okay? <laughs> so um, we'll find out who typed that. I don't know who did that, but they're in a lot of trouble uh, that they did that 5 o'clock in the morning this morning. Anyway, uh, so it's, it's not snuggles, okay? It's not the, it's not the little fabric softener um, or another snuggle. I don't know about that. Maybe you do need to tell somebody about one of your snuggles. I, I don't know. It's not my life that I got to, you know. But, uh, but, and so we're talking about what, what's new. Well, it was really fascinating that this series, we had all started planning it. You just saw that, babe? He's like... We, we, uh, we started uh, planning this series months ago, and it would just so happen that we, uh, we'd be looking for a new worship leader. And I, I told Hector I was going to be talking about this, so don't feel, he, he won't feel uncomfortable that I talk about worship leader when he just got done worshiping. But I wanted to give you some insight, uh, well, what we look for in a worship leader, what we, the things that we... Uh, we look for when we're uh, looking. So, so, someone who's in control of their emotions. That's very important. You don't want a worship leader that's sobbing all the time or like brooding because they're, you know, they're, just, you know, whatever. You don't want like a manic, depressive, you know, pendulum going back and forth. And one time I was at a church and uh, uh, somebody on the worship team, during, during the worship time, so... The person's singing, and, and the sound guy comes storming through the, uh, the aisle. Like, you know, sometimes a, like a cable will go out, and then, you know, Mark will come and fix it, and everything's cool. He comes storming, and he's like, I think he was like cussing. Like, he was just like, oh, I can't believe this. this is a... See, we don't want somebody like that, somebody in control of their emotions. We want a worship leader where faith is incorporated into their everyday life. So it's not just like on Sunday, they're worshiping God, and uh, during the week, you know, they're, they're, they, they, they're, they have anger issues and all these different uh, struggles. We want, we want someone whose faith is incorporated in their everyday life. Uh, we want someone, distractions on stage, no problem. They can handle it. They're not easily distracted by things that might go wrong or, uh, you know, might, you know, not be working the way they want it to. We want someone who practices worship every day. And so it's not just something they do on Sunday. It's incorporated into their everyday life. That, that worship is, it's, 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 it's what, Sunday morning is just the overflow of what they've been soaking in all week long. We're looking for somebody who's ha- always seeking new ways to connect with God and to others. 
And so they're open to new ideas. They're open to different varieties of ways of worshiping through silence and through reading of the word and singing and uh, new songs, old songs, hymns, and contemporary songs. We're looking for somebody whose the congregation's needs are most important, not their needs. I don't know if you've ever seen a worship leader. I've been to a lot of different churches. I've seen a lot of different worship leaders, and you can always tell when somebody's there for them, not, not for me. So we want someone like that. Uh, we want someone who's in control of their expectations. They don't expect too much. They don't expect too little. They kind of have a pretty solid idea of, of what um, a worship set looks like, all, all those different things. And then, of course, we want someone who's not too young and not too old, okay? <laughs> so, yeah. So I have some good news. We found our worship leader. Oh, don't get too excited. I got a picture of him. You want to see? It's you. Now, those of you who are visiting, you're like, I just got here. I don't even know. I'm not even going to fill out a connection card. And now I'm the worship leader? You are the worship leader of your life. You are. Not Hector, not whoever comes up here, not any of those. You are the worship leader of your life. I'll bet you don't really think of that that much. You don't think of, of you, you think of being led in worship. You think of, 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 of um, you know, somebody doing something that, you know, makes, you know, kind of gives you an emotional or uh, intellectual response. But you are the primary worship leader of your life. So, let's go back again to see what your qualifications are. In control of your emotions. <laughs> see, it was a lot better when we were talking about somebody on stage, wasn't it? <laughs> now it's you and you're like, I didn't want, I don't want to be a worship leader. Yeah. <laughs> you should see the one for pastor. Uh, faith is incorporated into everyday life. Distractions on stage? No problem. Practice worship every day, always seeking new ways to connect to God and to others. The congregation's needs are most important in control of expectations. And all of you are not too young and you're not too old, okay? So you, you make that. So what I want to do is where, I, where, where do I get this idea of you being the worship leader of your life? And uh, as you begin to, when we begin to talk about what's new, I want you to be, go into this week with that new perspective. So that your worship is not dependent on what's happening around you. Your worship's not dependent on who's singing what instrument they play, what music they're playing, what they're saying, how they say it. Your worship's not dependent on that. You are the worship leader of your life. And so no matter what's happening around you, healthy worship leaders can worship. Hector was talking about it before. You just, you, you know, sometimes in our lives we just let our circumstances control us and we think, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to compartmentalize that. I'm going to put all my problems away and I'm going to do all these things and then I'm going to go before God and then I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the worship leader is going to play the songs that make me worship. It doesn't work that way. Your worship on Sunday morning is an overflow of the worship that's been happening during the week. Now, don't get me wrong, we're, I, I'm not, we're, 
I'm very picky about worship leaders too, okay? I, you know, it's not like I, I'm going to get somebody with a kazoo, you know, and they're like, you know, not another kazoo solo. Oh, man. You know, like, uh, so, so that's not the point. My point this morning is that you would come into your situations. You would go into your work. You would go into your school. You would go into your neighborhood going, I'm a worship leader. I'm supposed to bring people into the presence of Jesus in my life. I will get fueled on Sunday morning. I will get empowered on Sunday morning. I will get uh, filled up on Sunday morning. But then I have to go lead worship throughout the week. So let me show you where I get this. Uh, it's, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter. We call them books of the Bible, but uh, a lot of them are letters. A lot of them are collections, collections of poetry, collections of laments, um, these different things. A lot of them is a, a apocalyptic literature, things like that. But this was a letter that Paul wrote uh, to a church in Rome. And he was writing to a church that's very similar to uh, our uh, particular culture. Uh, that, that culture was a tad more brutal than ours, but, um, but they were very individualistic and very uh, hedonistic. And so uh, he He's trying to write to them to uh, uh, say, look, it doesn't have to be all about you and your pleasure and your uh, uh, consumerism and all these different things. And so Paul writes 11 chapters of theology. If you want to read a letter or read some text that is just heavy in theology, start with Romans. If you have just stepped into church and you want to start reading the Bible, don't start with Romans, okay? Start with 1 John or John or one of the Gospels so you can kind of get some background on the story of what's going on. But if you're just like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to, I just want some really heavy, thick theology. You start with Romans. And so Paul was writing all that for 11, what we call chapters. He didn't write them in chapters. It was just one long letter. And so, but for us, now that we've had the Bible set up into chapters, for 11 chapters, it's theology. And then chapter 12, verse 1, it swaps. Basically, Paul is about to answer the question, so what? You have all this theology, so what? I mean, what, is it, what does it mean in my personal life? So he starts with the word, therefore. Eleven chapters of theology, done. Therefore, okay, and you know, we make the joke, you know, when you see therefore, you have to look back and see what it's there for, okay, uh, whatever. I, it, it was, it's always been stupid. Um, therefore, I urge you, I beg you, I implore you, I plead with you. So, so you, you know, this is, as a reader, our ears should perk up. Like what, what is Paul going to urge us about? What is he going to plead with us about? All this theology, therefore, I beg you. And he says, in view of God's mercy. And so he, he, he describes this God and he describes this uh, way of living a, a, as a Christian and he describes um, how we interact with our Heavenly Father and where Jesus comes in and where, how does salvation work and, and, and what, is it, what is this thing about the resurrection and the blood of Jesus? It, it kind of gets, uh, uh, there's just so much there. He says, therefore, in view of God's mercy to... Offer your bodies 
as a living sacrifice. Let me see. I mix it. Oops. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, to those people who are um, uh, in, in this particular culture, good gracious. Hey, David, can you get me to that? that? Thank you. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, for those in this culture, they, would, they, they were f- totally down with the, the sacrifice language. Um, lots of the cultures of that day would offer sacrifices to their God. And of course, Paul being uh, Jewish, uh, they had a sacrificial system in the temple. And that's how uh, things were atoned for with sin. But now Paul makes this incredible statement that you actually are a living sacrifice. You offer your body as a living sacrifice. You can keep it on the slide. Holy and pleasing to God. And so you probably don't think about that, but pretty much every situation you come into this week and the weeks to come, you will have an opportunity to be a sacrifice. You'll have an opportunity to go, you know what? I'm going to die to my rights in this situation. I'm going to allow this to happen. I'm going to maybe speak up. Maybe it's the opposite of not just being a doormat, but maybe it's, it's uh, you know, spe- speaking up. But you have the opportunity to be a sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now check this out. This is where, this is where I get what I'm talking about. This is your true and proper worship. We don't think about that when we think about worship. We don't think about our lives being a sacrifice. We don't think about uh, how do we, um, that our decisions that we make, our attitudes that we have, they're an opportunity to be a living sacrifice. And that is our true and proper worship. Coming to church on Sunday and singing together, that's a part of that. But it's not worship. Worship is you laying down your life for what Christ would have you lay it down. That is your true and proper worship. Now that's hard. When you think about being the worship leader of your life, you think, man, every situation, I've got to lead this situation to the cross. I got to lead these people around me to Jesus. That's all a worship leader does. A worship leader is basically a waiter. Okay, I mean, not Hector. He's amazing. He's like a chef, okay? Uh, so, but, uh, but a worship leader's job is to wait. A worship leader's job, you know, a really good waiter, they'll look at a table. And if they see that the couple is arguing, okay, they don't walk up and just go, can I tell you about our specials, okay? They read, they read the temperature of the table. They read the room. If they, they look and they see, is, is the glass half empty? Is, do they need more water? Does it need to be clean? Do I need to take the plates away? And, and, and look, at, and then they provide that service that's needed at the table. A worship leader and a pastor and anyone else who steps on the stage needs to know what are the needs of the congregation. So you, as a worship leader... You're the worship leader of your life. You will enter situations and you go, what does this situation need? Do we need to stay on the chorus a few more times? Do we need to go to the next song? Okay, as I keep that analogy going. You say, does, what, what, what does this need right now? Does it need the grace of God? 
Does it need patience right now? Is, that, what, is, this, is this how I'm going to lead in worship? What does the situation need? That is your true and proper worship. So let me ask you, how are you doing as a worship leader? <laughs> the worship leader of your life. How's it going? Because Paul goes on. And because you say, well, man, how do I, how do, I do that? How do, how do I become a worship leader in my situations where I'm bringing people to Jesus or I'm bringing Jesus to the situation? He goes on and he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. So in other words, what Paul is saying is if you do nothing, if you just kind of, uh, I, I call it, um, you just kind of sit back and let the current of the culture take you downstream, you will become patterned after the culture. Well, what's our culture? Individualism, consumerism, outrage, anger, anxiety, depression. That, that's our culture. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I love living in America, but I mean, this is, this is our culture. Uh, we're divisive. If you just sit and do nothing, you will be conformed into the character of the culture that we live in. And so he says... Do not conform to the pattern of this world. There's a certain shape that the, that the culture is shaping you. And every culture is different. But every culture has these pressures that if you just allow yourself to be molded, you will be molded into the culture. We have a culture of promiscuity. We have a culture of, of uh, right, individual rights. We demand our rights. If you just sit back. And you just let the current of culture carry you. It's going to take you to a place you don't want to be. And Paul says, don't do that. He says the opposite. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. In other words, what Paul's saying is there's a way that you can actually become the worship leader of your life. That, that, that you can actually change the situation that you're around at your work, in your neighborhood, at your school, in your family. That you can be transformed into the image of Christ. Now, I was thinking about this. If there was one verse that I had to preach for the rest of my life, somebody just said, John, you have one verse, you have to pick it. This is the only thing you're allowed to preach on. This would be it. <laughs> this, this Roman, well, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I'd actually steal the second verse. But this would be it. Because it's so obvious to me that if we just sit and allow ourselves to be conformed, we will end up in a place we don't want to be. We'll end up in debt. We'll end up angry. We'll end up making decisions that we wish we'd never made. And we, the reason that happens is because, and maybe, you, maybe you're different than me, you find yourself in a situation that you know you're not supposed to be in. And you look at your life or you look at your situation, and here's the question you ask yourself. What was I thinking. What was I thinking? Well, oftentimes we never answer that question. We think by just asking the question, we're doing ourselves some good. What was I thinking? We need to spend some time. If we're going to be transformed, we need to spend some time thinking, what was I thinking? Was I thinking I was going to have happiness from this? Was I thinking I was going to finally arrive? What, what was I thinking? Because the scripture goes on. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. The refreshing of your mind. What were you thinking? 
What are you thinking now? Are you thinking, we're going to go over, I, I, stole, I stole some points from a pastor, and look, we're going to go over them at the end uh, of seven things that, that uh, of flawed ways of thinking. Actually, I, I think I put an eighth one in there, because um, I'm better than him. But, uh, but, but the renewing of your mind. So you ask yourself, maybe you find yourself in a pattern right now, a pattern that you want to get out of. Well, what are you thinking? What, what, are you thinking you're going to, this is going to help you? Or are you what, what are you thinking? We get transformed. Isn't it amazing? See, this is what I love about the Word of God. Is that it all starts with our mind. And so what we put into our mind, what we keep dwelling on in our mind, that is what's going to either conform us or transform us. I liked what Hector said about the way the world and, you know, our culture uh, assigns value based on what you look like, based on how much money you make, based on what car you drive. Where where does that come from? That that doesn't come from God. If that's you, if you look in the mirror and you think, oh man, I have less value, that doesn't come from the Bible. Your mind needs to be renewed. Now, If you need to be healthy or whatever, go go knock yourself out. But if you're assigning the incorrect value of yourself, or more importantly, others, and it's incorrect, your mind needs to be renewed. Because watch what happens when this happens. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Isn't that amazing? That by renewing our mind, by watching what goes into it, by watching what we dwell on, by watching the patterns that we have repeat over and over and over again. By doing that, we can begin to understand God's will for our lives. Think about that. Think about that next time you're ready to sign docs on a loan. You know, and you say, okay, what am I thinking? Well, I need a car. Okay, let me see if that, yeah, okay, that's okay. It's okay to need a car. I, I need one, a reliable car. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I need a red car. No, no, it's probably not. I mean, if you drive a red car, don't, you know where I'm, this is, this is just a made up story, you know. I need a fast car. <laughs> I need leather seats. Right? And so all these numbers start adding up and you know you can't afford that car. Well, by the renewing of your mind to go, okay, what, what do I really, I, got, I need transportation. Okay, what would be the most, Lord, what, what would be the best use of your money? Because you know it's all his. He's just having you steward it. You just get to, ha- you just get to use some of it. Like, what would be the best use of your money? As your mind gets renewed and the things that you've been told all along that are important and status and all these things, you begin to go, no, that's not true. And you begin to understand what his will is. You're looking for a spouse. And you're like, okay, I need somebody hot, <laughs> okay? Well, well, hey, it worked for me. But, uh, you know, what, what, what is it? I need someone, you know, you just kind of go through the link. And as you, as you begin to really analyze those thoughts, you'll begin to go, oh, I, I know the person. I know the person I need. God, you'll begin to see God's will for yourself, your finances, your relationships, all these different things. And it's, it's really cool because it says his good, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
So here, here's, what I, here's what I want us to see. When we change the way we think, we change the way we live. When we change the way we think, we change the way we live. You ever met somebody, they lost a bunch of weight, and you're like, How, how'd you do it? And, they, and this is what they say a lot of times. I just, don't, I just see food differently. I just see food differently. They, they changed the way they thought. Their mind was renewed, and it turned into action. And so the first question we ask ourselves is, what am I thinking? What am I thinking? Why am I anxious about something? Well, what am I thinking? Well, I'm thinking if, if, if this doesn't happen, then I might lose my job, and then I might do this, and that's this. That's not the Lord's will for you, that you'd be anxious through all those things. God is your provider. He's your shepherd. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's, he's, he, he takes care of you. Sure, you're going to go through problems, but that's it. That's a, mind, that's a renewed mind. This is how another uh, section of Scripture that Paul wrote is uh, 2 Corinthians. And this is... This is like an active mind going to be transformed. Paul's writing uh, very aggressive, uh, in very aggressive language. This is how serious he is about your mind and what goes into it and what it sits on and how it thinks. Here's what he says. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. In other words, if it's not what God would say about you, then, then we demolish it. We, say, we, we stand against it. And this is, I, I, I meet people all the time, and I, I, can, I can almost tell you just from the way they're living what they spend their time uh, allowing into their mind, allowing to dwell in their mind. Some of, some of us need a cleansing of our mind. Some things that we allow in via media or the internet or what have you or just toxic people and, and that we're around the same people talking about the same things and getting ourselves all whipped up and we need to be cleansed. We need to, uh, we need to uh, demolish those arguments and every pretension. And then, he, and, then, and then he says this amazing statement. And, and I don't know how this is going to play out in your life, but I'm excited for this week because I'm going to really try to do this. <laughs> it's, 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 just, it's just brilliant. It's just brilliant. He says this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Can you imagine? You know what that's like? like you, you take your thought captive. It's like the thought comes in. And you grab it, and you throw it into a chair, and you turn a light on it, and you say, now you're going to talk. You know, you're kind of like this. Don't, you don't have to make this any harder than it already is. Why are you so anxious? Tell me. <laughs> okay, maybe it doesn't look like that. A thought pops into your head, you know, about something, and you know it's not from God. And you go, where did you come from? Where did you come from? I'm going to take you, I'm going to make you obedient to Christ. You have a certain situation at work and there's this person you don't like and you think to yourself, man, I wish they'd get fired. And you go, wait a second, what are you doing here? That thought wasn't obedient to Christ. Where, where did it come from? What, what were you thinking? Why were you thinking that way? 
Were you scared of something? You scared that person might take your job? Are you scared you might strangle that person because they're so annoying? What is it? Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. This is how our minds get renewed. I'll end with this as the worship team comes up. Again, Paul's writing. Paul writes a lot about the mind. He, he, I'm sure he has feelings, but he's, he's more about being practical. Watch what he says. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, if there's any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, sit on that for a while. Dwell on that for a while. So this week, as we go into not being conformed to this world, I'll challenge you. What are you watching? What are you listening to? Who are you listening to? What are you thinking? And take those thoughts captive. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to end. Hector's going to end us with a song. And that's the question I have for you this morning. As you fill out your connection cards during this time, and for those of you who give, this is when we take our offering. We don't actually pass anything around, but we prepare offerings if that's what you do. And then we take all those connection cards and the offering, and we put them in a box in the back there on your way out. But the question I have for you this morning as you just reflect about the Word of God and not being conformed but being transformed, you ask the Lord, is there anything I'm putting in that I need to stop putting in? Maybe it's a blog you read, it's a podcast, it's some show or whatever. You just go, man, is it, is it uh, true? Is it honorable? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it of good repute? Should I be dwelling on this? And maybe, maybe God will say, you know what? There's an input that needs to be shut off. Maybe there's something that's already in there, floating around, and, and you go every morning and you feed it. A fear. Uh, an unforgiveness. A bitterness. And you feed it. You spoon feed it. And you're keeping it alive. And he says, you know what? We're going to change the way we think about that. We're going to make that thought obedient to Christ. And just listen. And maybe he says, there's something you should add. There's some more input you need. You find some, some type of a, a worship that you can listen to during the day in place of something else or a podcast or something where you're receiving the word of God. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that um, the pattern of this world is easy to see. Oftentimes it's difficult to see in us. Lord, we're told to be transformed and really into your image. And so, as we just take this time of quiet where we go through this last song, Lord, we pray we'd hear your voice, that our minds would begin, even today, to be renewed. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.